that moment. What we're going to look at this morning ties in with a lot of what's been shared, which is just the way that God does things, which is fantastic. Uh, so let's just get into the Word together and, uh, and see where it takes us, and then we'll take time to break bread. And I need your prayers because I have, I managed, I used to preach off four A4 sheets. Then I cut it down to three, then I cut it down to two, then I cut it down to one. I'm back up to two again, so I'm really sorry for this. But I think this is an important word for us today. Um, and it's, I hope it will be exciting for you because it was exciting for me to, uh, to hear somebody else speak on this topic. I was looking this week uh, at, at the idea of, um, of, of metaphors, which are going to be relevant to what we're going to share. Funny metaphors, funny similes, funny idioms. Have you ever heard the phrase, he was a busted flush? Have you heard that? Is that a Scottish phrase? For many of you, you're saying, no, that's good. Apparently it comes out of poker, so praise the Lord, you've never heard it. I don't know it in that context. In the context that I know it in is that basically um, he, he, you've, a person has fallen short of their potential. They promised so much and they delivered so little. A busted flush. What about couch potato? We all know what that means, don't we? Now, I'm not going to look at anyone. I'm keeping my head down. Uh, I'll look at myself. I'll look at myself. Couch potato. We know what that means. Somebody who is inclined to recline, shall we say, and, and not inclined to get up. Somebody was an open book. Now, are they literally a busted flush, a couch potato, or an open book? No. But it's a phrase that paints a picture. What about that woman went mama bear? Any, any mothers ever gone mama bear? You can confess, it's a safe place. This idea that the mum goes on protective mode to protect her little ones. Mama bear. Here we go. And so we hear these phrases, and if you're not part of the culture from where they came from, and maybe if you're of a different language and you hear these in English, or if you go to a different country and you hear a phrase that they use, you're like, what on earth does that mean? We have to dig deeper to get the meaning. We have to go beyond. So when we say, when I say, George, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, George doesn't literally turn into a temple. Uh, but there is meaning behind that truth. So it's speaking an aspect over someone, uh, and a positive one, of course, because it's George. But uh, we have to dig into what it truly means. Now, if we're looking at the Bible as we truly should look at the Bible, we don't, we don't go too far on our daily, weekly journey without being reminded that this word is living and active. Who's ever read the same passage uh, 10 times and then the 11th time read it and thought, I never saw that. Never seen that come out before. It's that reminder that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it cuts deep. And it means that we can read it and read it and read it and we still get truth. There's depths. There's connections that we never noticed before. And then there's these moments that go beyond that where your mind is kind of blown. Have you ever had these moments where it's not just, oh, I've never seen that before, but I have never seen that before. Or like, I've never seen that connection. 
And this is one of those moments for me, maybe you're all like, Stuart, that is just the most obvious thing. And I'm so pleased that you've caught up. So if that's the case, then that's fine. I'm so pleased to have caught up with who you are. But uh, I was listening to a, a podcast through the week from the Bible Project. Anybody ever come across fantastic resources? Anyone listening to the latest podcast? If you have, you can just relax now and uh, have a little snooze if you're tired. I'm not going to say word for word, but inspiration from that incredible podcast. Talking about the connection between Eden, Mount Sinai, the tabernacle and temple, and ultimately us. And I, well, I took it a bit further and brought it into us. So have you ever thought about the connection between Eden, Mount Sinai, the tabernacle and tent, and us? There's an incredible connection that they unpack. We're going to just share it with you this morning and, and just think about how it relates to us. This week, it's been a busy week um, with various family things. As many of you know, my dad hasn't been well and we sadly had to take him into care on Tuesday, get him settled into care, which was a hard day for my brother and I. And uh, it's been a busy, busy week. Um, a lot of great things happening as well. A lot of things we're so thankful to be involved in. But I felt like, and here's another good uh, phrase, I felt like a burst balloon. Anyone ever felt like a burst balloon? Now, was I a burst balloon? No, but I felt a bit like a burst balloon. And uh, I'm so thankful for this inspirational thing that I heard because I literally got to Friday and I was like, right, Lord, give me a word for Sunday. We've obviously had so much going on this week that, that, uh, that I was thinking, right, Lord, give me a word for Sunday. And of course, this came. So thank the Lord for it. And hopefully it'll be helpful for us as we think about how to be. Last week's word was... Is all you're doing helping you in your being? So everything you're doing, is it helping you in who you're called to be? And so hopefully this will help us in our being. Help us as we abide and help us to mature in Christ. And I've got four simple statements to unpack and I'm going to try and fly through them. If you want to know more, you can go to the Bible Project in here. They go into the depths of it in a way that I won't. It's not appropriate for a church, but it's good stuff. It's deeper in sort of personal study. The four simple statements are God created, God invited, God permitted, and God recreated. So if you're writing notes, these are the four things to remember. God created, God invited, God permitted, and God recreated. And all of those four things are going to connect Eden, Mount Sinai, the tabernacle, and the temple, and ultimately us. Why are we looking at that today? Well, we've hit this point... In our chronology, where Solomon has just built the temple. So those of you that are visiting, we're going through the Bible over three years, and we're drawing out the main dynamics and tying it all together to see there is a common thread of story. This is not just a jumble of random events. This is a, a story, a thread of God's story, all connected, all building on the same truth. And so Solomon has just built the temple, in our journey and what we've got here um, is that it is the stone wood gold and glass version of the mobile tabernacle and tent that was built uh, months ago when we visited that with Moses so God created invited permitted and recreated and it'll help us to understand why we exist or why we be in English teachers in the room no how can I be? Why we be? It doesn't work as why we be, but you know what I mean. 
helps us in our being. Psalm 73, among other places, paints this incredible picture for us. It reminds us that the chief end of man is what? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Is that in the Book of Common Prayer? Those of you that are linked to the Book of Common Prayer. Westminster Confession. There we go. Thank you, Phil. And you, it was somewhere else as well. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so we're at this point in our chronology where we're going to just tie everything together again and put a bow on it, hopefully. Um, so the temple that Solomon built is a stonewood, uh, gold and glass version of the mobile tabernacle that was built. That was a portable representation of what was happening on Mount Sinai. I've never seen the connection. And that was a vertical representation of what was going on in Eden. So Stuart, why are there concentric circles on the carpet? Well, we're going to come to that. And I'm going to carry the notes down so that I can get this right. So let's explore this idea for a moment. Uh, and think about how we, in our lives, are, are walking, talking representations of all of those. Your life tells a story of how Eden was created, the purpose of Eden. Your life tells a story of Mount Sinai. Your life speaks of a tabernacle and your life speaks of the temple. So let's do this. First one, God created. What did God create? Let's go back to Eden. Well, God created a space for encounter between heaven and earth. Amen? That was what was going on in Eden. So if we can go to the first scripture, Genesis chapter 2, we'll read verses 4 to 9 together. Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 to 9. You've got a Bible, you're welcome to turn to it. There are Bibles in the, uh, in the windows, but it's going to be up on the screen um, in beautiful, large text. Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 to 9. These are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation. At the time that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, no shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. There's so much in there we could unpack. We won't go back in time. We're going to keep going forward. But mist would come up from the earth and water all the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. Here's the thing. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he placed the man. Where was the man formed? Outside of the garden. He was placed in the garden. I only saw that for the first time truly last year. Someone said, did you realize that? I never, never thought of that. The Lord God made the man and then put him in the place that he made because the, to grow out of the ground, every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, uh, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil. God created. Thank you. We can just look at verse 15. I'll just share it. The Lord good God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. So purposeful. God moved him to be Purposeful. So the purpose of creation was to demonstrate the glory of God. And, and in its original created form, we know that heaven, we might say heaven as God's space, and earth as our space, they were united, they overlapped. And again, 
Bible Project has got a great video of two circles that overlap, heaven and earth overlapping. That is where God creates the space for heaven and earth to, to meet. So let's look at the circles on the floor. So can you put the image of the circles up? Let me just demonstrate to you. I'll, I'll use the circles uh, on the screen. We've got zones here. We've got the first circle number one, the second circle number two, and here is the third circle number three. So just for a bit of a visual aid, we can walk through this together. I don't know if you're like me, but I, I'm visual in my mind, so I, I find this helpful. God created the man in Eden. So Eden was a place. And there was a garden in Eden. So he placed the man in the garden. And then he beckoned and invited the man to come to the tree of life. So there was the wider space, Eden. There was the garden. And then there was the place of most intimacy, the tree of life. Come to the tree of life. The most intimate and holy place. Thank you, Stuart. Patterns of circles, all of which uh, are places that represent uh, encounter, but with increasing intimacy and significance, which I think is incredible. And what happens when they disobeyed God, when they turned their back on God's way, what did God do? He sent them out of the garden. He sent them out of the garden. So they were in a place of intimacy with God at the tree of life, and he sent them from that out of the garden, even out of zone two, as it were. Did he ever turn his back on them fully? No. They were still able to connect with him, but they had lost that place of most intimate fellowship. God created. Still access to God, but because of sin, no longer with the same level of access to the intimacy that he had offered. But God is good and he's going to make a way, amen, for his people to get back to that place of intimacy. So God created God invited. Let's go on to Mount Sinai. He invited specific people into a place of encounter between heaven and earth. That's that phrase. An encounter between heaven and earth. What we all long for in our faith. Mount Sinai. We again find ourselves three distinct places. I won't read this, but Exodus chapter 19 tells us that the people were gathered at the bottom of the mountain. They were in the moment and aware of what was happening they could sense the reality of god at the bottom of the mountain but moses and the elders some were beckoned up the mountain weren't they and then one moses was invited through the clouds the people gathered at the bottom of the mountain they were aware of the reality of god some were beckoned up the mountain and then Moses was invited to the most holy place through the clouds. God beckoning his people back to where they should have been. That is God invited. God permitted. He permitted a space to be created for encounter between heaven and earth. Let's fast forward again. This time the tabernacle and ultimately the temple that we got to. Stuart, if we can go to Exodus chapter 40, please. Thank you, sir. Let's look at verses 1 to 8 of Exodus chapter 40. Again, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn. The Bible in the windowsills will be the same one that's on the screen, but if you've got a, a decent translation in your hands, it will all be fine. 
So let's read that together. The Lord spoke to Moses. Thanks, Stuart. You are to set up a tabernacle, a tent of meeting, on the first day of the month. Put the ark of the testimony there and screen off the ark with a curtain. Then bring in the table and lay out its arrangement. Also bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar for incense in front of the ark of the testimony. Put up the screen for the entrance of the tabernacle. Position the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Put the basin between the tent. This is the point when you're going through the chronology, you think, oh. You know, sometimes, if you're tired, all these little details. But I want to encourage you this morning, these details matter. Sorry to interrupt, and we carry on. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Assemble the surrounding courtyard and hang the screen for the gate of the courtyard. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Have I gone ahead? Yeah, that's one too many. That's fine. Again, God creates a space for encounter. What do we notice about what's mentioned in Exodus chapter 40? What is put in the holiest, most intimate place? The ark. What did the ark contain? The stone tablets. Where, where did they come from? Mount Sinai, when Moses went through the cloud to the most intimate place, he brings them down and they're brought into the next representation of encounter between heaven and earth. They're put into the holiest place, zone three, we might say, for our illustration. And they're cordoned off in that place. The thing that was from the most intimate and holy place is cordoned off. So we have. Let's just use this imagery again. The people of God could and should gather on the periphery of the tabernacle, the tent. They could, and with the, with the uh, temple courts, they could go in so far. The second zone, can we have the circle back up against you? It's just for this, so it's helpful to go back to it. Thank you. So we have it. Number one, people can gather on the periphery. They know what's going on. They're invited. They can almost taste and touch what's happening. The second zone, the priests are permitted to serve in the temple, in the courts, and, and inside the might of the first chamber. And then here we have this special, holy, intimate place. The only one person can enter. The high priest can enter under specific conditions. The holy and intimate place. Same principle for the temple of Solomon as well. Everything purposed to create opportunity between heaven and earth. That has always been God's longing. Can we see how these things all tie together? That God is painting a picture over and over. Who likes things to be repeated? I'm not going to say I'm a man, therefore I need things repeated. Helen's not here. She would be shouting amen. We need things repeated in life. God keeps on repeating them. But every single time making it more and more accessible, more and more near to us. I love this. Everything purposed to create opportunity for encounter between heaven and earth that in our weakness, in our weakness, in our sin and in our flesh, we can cope with. You can't just burst into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle on the tent. You couldn't just get... Um, Brian chasing Moses up the mountain through the clouds. What did God say? If you touch the mountain, 
there are, there are conditions and parameters that, that because of our weakness, our sin and our flesh, we could uh, not proceed. We can only cope with so much, but God still puts the frame in place so that we can come. It gets better though. Even when humanity had seemed determined to wash their hands of God, God was determined not to wash his hands of humanity. He keeps seeking out humanity and solving the problem that they themselves have created, all the while looking for the opportunity to reunite heaven and earth and draw people back to where they belong. Where do people belong? With God. We're created to be with him. So God created, invited, permitted, and then we come full circle. God recreated, and this which gets, for me, really exciting. God recreated space of encounter where heaven and earth could meet. Where is the space where God created for encounter between heaven and earth inside every single one of us? Every single one of us who trusts in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. I don't know if I've got First Peter 2 in there, Stuart. If I don't, I do. That's great. If we can go to verses 4 and 5. Thank you. Um, let me just read it from here. So Here's that beckoning voice. He said to Moses, come. Well, he said to Adam and Eve, come. They're in, the, they're in Eden. Come into the garden. Come to the tree of life. He said to Moses, Come out from among the people that are at the bottom of the mountain. Come up the mountain and come through the clouds. He said to the, the people that were building the tabernacle and tent, come and gather the priests in the inner court, in the inner space, and then of course the high priest in the Holy of Holies. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honoured by God. Thanks, Stuart. Next you yourselves, as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are that. It isn't a garden or a tree or a mountain or clouds or a tabernacle or a holy place. You are. I think that's incredible. Is 1 Corinthians in there, Stuart, as well? No, that's fine. Let me quickly read this. 1 Corinthians 6. Just again, you'll know these verses well, but... 6 verses 19 and uh, 20. Talking about how we live. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? There we go. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. So that place that was created and purposed for encounter between heaven and earth is now us. It's going on inside us because of the Spirit. We all know the picture from, from, uh, from our journeys through resurrection, through Calvary into resurrection, Jesus dying and the veil of the temple being 
torn, that veil that had kept everyone out of that most holy, intimate place. It wasn't so that everyone would have to then go to Jerusalem and run into that temple and be in that space. That wasn't the point. That wasn't what Jesus was trying to convey. It wasn't that we had to go to where God was there. It was that God's coming to you. At Pentecost, he's going to come to you. He's going to make you that place. I don't know. I think that's incredible. God's invitation. God saying, come. Come back to the garden and get a glimpse of the tree of life. Come up the mountain into the clouds where they can teach you all that you need to know for life and godliness. Come through the curtain, the entrance curtain, that first perimeter curtain. Come through the outer courts and inner courts and into the holiest place. That's what it means to be united with God, one with God by the Spirit. Our scripture for the year, everyone that is led by the Spirit is a son and daughter of God. If you're a son and daughter of God, you are led by the Spirit. This is the picture that the word paints for us. Here's the thing. We have to be willing to be led. Here's the question for us to ponder. And again, if you put the image of the circles up, Stuart, thank you so much. I want us to think about the first zone there. We're all in zone one at least because we've come to a place where we trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Here's a question for us to ponder. Where are you standing in your walk with God today? Because you have access, because of the Spirit, because of what Christ has done to come to the most holy and intimate place with God. But where are you standing? And again, this goes back to what we talked about the past number of weeks. That boundary line that we can cross over. The danger is that we can settle in zone one. Now in zone, at the bottom of the mountain, did they see the reality of God coming on the mountain? Yes. Were they terrified? Yes. Was there evidence from people outside the temple, tabernacle, that God was doing stuff? Yes. Sometimes there was fire and, 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 and smoke. There was evidence of the tangible reality of God. But they were on the periphery. Where are we standing in our walk with God? And I, I say this for myself. And I say it because perhaps at times you've been in that place where you've been so close to God. That intimate place with God. But God gives us a choice. Free will. We saw that with Solomon last week. We can, we can choose to remain in this place of intimacy or we can over time step back and get comfortable. I'm okay, I'm, I'm still close and we can get content because there's less of a demand on me in, in zone two. I can get comfortable, I can settle or even I can come back to zone three and I can say, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm at church and, you know, I'm, yeah, I feel like I, I get something of God. I think God's beckoning us to come, always to come. It's an invitation by the Spirit to come. Are we on the outskirts? Are we at the bottom of the mountain? Are we on the outskirts of the tabernacle? We're saved, yes. But I just think God's saying to us all the time, come. Come to that most holy place because I laid down my life so that you could have it. I died so you could have it, so come. 
followers of Christ who choose to abide. This is the thing about abiding as well. Jesus says, abide in me. Where do you think he was talking about? Was he saying, stand on the periphery, or was he saying, come? Come into it, abide in me. Stay connected to the vine, yeah. I'm in the vine, but I think this is a better place to be in the vine, in that place of intimacy. Are we on the outskirts, or are we? Are we choosing by the Spirit, to yield to the Spirit, to come into that place, the partnership that he invites us to? I'm going to close with two questions, and I'm astonished that I've read through two pages. Thank you, Lord. Um, is your doing helping you in your being? We don't say this to criticize each other. We say it to invite and beckon one another to more, to the richer life, to the beauty that God has for us. Where are you called to be? We're called to be in that place of intimacy. And here's the bigger question. It's a question that I ask of myself. Where do you want to be? Where do you want to be? I know there are people um, in the big C church in the world who are very happy here. They want to be here. Because they know that crossing over that boundary is going to cost them something of letting go of self and embracing more of him. Where do you want to be in, in your walk with God? Are you loved by God and treasured by God here? Absolutely. Can you be effective here? Yeah, you can be. But, but is there more? Absolutely. The beckoning of God to come. Where are you called to be? Where do you want to be? Let's cross over that boundary. We've used the phrase over the past few weeks, the boundary between comfort and challenge. And let's just see where it takes us. Amen? You say, Stuart, how do I do that? We said that last week. The question is, this is great in theory, Stuart. Lovely image to take away. How do you do that? Well, it's all about our daily walk with the Lord. Making him priority. Reading the word every day. Irrespective, as Paul said, no matter how you're feeling, I'm going to worship you, Lord. I'm going to praise you, Lord. And here's the other thing. Russell, can I just borrow you as an illustration? It might be, can you stand in the, in the middle square? It might be that you see somebody. It might be that you're in a place of real strength and you see somebody that is part of the family of God and therefore your brother or sister that you love. And you can either beckon them Russell, you can beckon me to come. And if I'm struggling to come, what can you do? You can come, take a hand, and lead. Now, you don't drag, <laughs> but you lead. In love, lead that person. And this is what discipleship looks like. You stand in that, and I'll stand here. You stand in the, in the middle one. This is what discipleship looks like. Somebody that is in that sweet spot with God in their faith, Taking the hold of somebody who's just that bit distance and saying, come and walk. I'm going to walk with you. I'll bring you. I'll, I'll, I'll do everything side by side. Side by side. This is what it is to be the family of God. Amen. Everything for his glory. Let's pray together.
Father, I thank you for the chance to open your word and just uh, unpack something of this, Lord. I do pray that you would help us to, uh, to throw aside anything that is not of you, God, and just the things that are of you would remain and would help us to change the way we walk uh, today. I say quite often in pastoral contexts, I say, let's just concentrate on today's. Father, between now and I put my head down in the pillow tonight, help me, God, to pursue that place of intimacy. And as I fall asleep tonight, God, I give you thanks that you've helped me pursue that place of intimacy. And I get up tomorrow morning, I say, Father, between now and bedtime, help me to pursue that place of intimacy. For your name's sake, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together as we close. Thank you, Helen, so much. This is a song that uh, I searched for online when Helen said she was doing it and I discovered that Cliff Richard has recorded this song. Don't that means anything to anyone? Uh, amongst others. Is it Graham?